Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of the Renegade Movement and Performance Podcast. I am Lex. And I'm Kyle. And first of all, we just wanted to say thank you to everybody who listened to the first episode, um, or perhaps we should say everybody who <laughs> bared it through the whole first episode. Um, in all seriousness, we were uh, kind of a little bit hesitant to stick our necks out there and start this podcast. Um, so all the feedback we've gotten from people has been really nice and their encouragement and support has been really appreciated. So thank you guys. Yeah, thank you so much to everybody who's reached out. Um, this episode here is with Annette Zapp and Zamia Cohen. We originally recorded it on the way to Alaska when we were in Chicago staying in Annette's house. They introduced themselves within the podcast, so we'll let them take it away. Hope you guys enjoy. We are currently in Annette Zapp's kitchen, <laughs> where this all started, and we have Annette here and Zamia Cohen. Um, we are going to talk about all things that led to their current endeavors. Um, so funny story, Annette and I actually sat in her kitchen three months ago and said that this is what we were going to do eventually. However, we did not know it would be happening today. <laughs> so... Um, Without further ado, I'll let Annette introduce herself, and then we'll talk to Zamia, and then we'll just kind of go from there. So, I feel like, Lex, that we should first say that this was supposed to be breakfast with Lex, <laughs> and not necessarily in my kitchen at 8 o'clock at night, but <laughs> anyway, your bedtime. Your bedtime. my bedtime. <laughs> anyway, I'm so glad that you guys are here, and okay, about me. Well, Lex and I met through Shantae the Movement Maestro. Lex is my superhero that keeps my website and my brand going, so I love her so much for that, and I just got to meet Kyle this weekend, so I'm so thankful. I am a full-time firefighter in the Chicago suburbs. I work for the Lyle Woodridge Fire Protection District. I've been there for 15 and a half years, the last five and a half years as a lieutenant on a very busy engine company, and further, I've been a coach and a personal trainer and a nutrition person for about 25 years. So now I marry those two things together. I have a business called Fire Rescue Fitness for which Lex designed my beautiful logo and Fire Rescue Fitness is dedicated to the health and wellness of firefighters worldwide and I do a lot of speaking. I do a lot of contracting with fire departments and my new thing is I'm trying to coach up civilians to integrate into fire departments because Man, firefighters are hard. They have the personality and uh, the demeanor. They're hard. So that's what I'm doing. Perfect. You should give yourself a shout out. You're one of three women I am... in your entire firehouse. You know, statistically, nationally, there's about 3%. And so we have 87 employees and three women. So we're a little bit higher than national statistics. That's so good. Nice. Yes. So good. Yeah. Same, yeah. So... <clears throat> I have been a personal trainer and nutrition coach for about 17 years and worked for Equinox, which is a high-end fitness club for anyone who doesn't know, um, for about 14 and a half and then was ready to venture out and do my own thing and started Good Human Fitness, which is what I've been slowly building and maneuvering my way through to find exactly what I want it to be um, and have been really spending the past two years growing that, um, 
and also just shifting around a little bit. Still doing, at the end of the day, the same work I personal train in person, but I've also extended that out and started doing personal training and nutrition coaching online. Still all one-in-one customized uh, work, but that's allowed me to obviously work with people who aren't right around me, which has been really nice um, and fun. And not like the Skype session personal training thing. I designed your program based on your situation, what you have, how long you have to do it, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you run with it for a couple of weeks. Um, and I also, that also obviously frees up my in-person time so that I can also travel and help people with pain management um, through microcurrent point stimulation, which is a non-invasive pain therapy uh, that's been an awesome add to my practice over the last couple of years. So, which is actually what brought me here. I came to visit my friend Annette uh, and also help some people through MPS. Um, I actually worked on a friend who tweaked his back deadlifting, coincidentally, so that worked out well for me to work on him while I was here. Um, and yeah, so I get to travel around wherever business can take me and hopefully it's places where I know people so I get to visit but also help out a lot of people um, in the meantime and expose them to a different it's a different technique for pain therapy um, which is really cool worked on somebody yesterday who blew out his ankle a number of years ago and ever since it was pretty gnarly scar and just by doing one round of scar release on that scar which was on his ankle his mobility opened up, his squat got better. Um, just the pain that he would usually get being in a certain position was gone. So uh, yeah, so it's really fun. And it's it's pretty in the moment. So you also know right away, did we shift things? Um, so it's, yeah, it's been great. And Lex is also helping me with my logo currently. <laughs> so at some point, you guys will all see that. Um, when you go in having no idea what you want, it's a little more of a lengthy process, but making progress absolutely yeah so website coming that's still in the works too but Perfect. yeah it's uh it's fun i love it i feel like kyle has the same ad do you want to explain mps a little bit sure so mps is microcurrent point stimulation which is basically a very low-grade microcurrent that it does a lot of things but generally speaking it's a, a way to help your body heal itself Part of it works through acupuncture points. Um, it's There are not needles. I am not puncturing the skin for all of those who like just vetoed it when I said that. It's not like that. Um, but it's about kind of loosely, it's about down-regulating the part of our nervous system that is our fight or flight, which is not where we can heal well, and up-regulating our parasympathetic, which is where we heal and repair and recover. Um, so helping calm the system down and then helping move blood, circulation, it kind of incorporates a lot of different, um, different branches of work on the body, if you will, and systems of the body to, and kind of bring, brings them together through the current. Um, it is different than a traditional TENS unit. It's not a pad that's slapped on and then your muscles start contracting, um, which if you think about how that speaks to your nervous system, that's more kind of like a scream to your nervous system. It's pretty aggressive. Not saying it's bad, better, or worse, just different. 
And this, um, the units I use are a very low grade DC, which is basically a constant same current through our system, more like our body's current, uh, that is more like a whisper to our nervous system. So it's a, it's, and it's because it's up, upregulating our parasympathetic, it's also very relaxing. So I've actually had people kind of doze off <laughs> during treatment, depending on what I do. Um, but it's just really cool because I can influence many things, but some biggies, um, concussion work, scar work, whether or not I can see the scar tissue or not, I can still influence because of the current and how deep it can penetrate. Um, at, and then to something as common as, oh, my back hurts, like my friend, for instance. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just very different. It's actually been around for a number of decades, but still pretty unknown, even though they've really been cranking out publications too. So for all you people who need the publications and research it, it is actually being done. Um, but there is also like a little bit of a magic feel to it. And honestly, I'm totally okay with that. (laughs) If people feel better and we change the scene, I'm happy. Exactly. Yeah. The means then don't matter. Yeah. 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 If you're, if you feel better and continue to feel better and the cool thing is because of the other part of my practice of being a nutrition coach and being a personal trainer who, and, and I tended to be a lot of the rehab, um, got kind of got pigeonholed a little bit as a rehab trainer, which was fine. Cause I, yeah. I liked kind of troubleshooting, getting people out mm-hmm. of pain. I can also then open that conversation with someone who's coming to me just for MPS and okay. talk about food, especially if inflammation is part of this equation. Um, but also if they're open to it, I can give them homework because of my movement background. I'm like, okay, this is what we worked on. Let's support it with this one movement. If you think you'll do it, if you can do it every day, awesome. If you do it twice a week, cool. We still know that will help support what we just worked on. Right. Yeah. So awesome. I know. (laughs) It's so good. And you also have, you know, the down regulation of parasympathetic, or sorry, down regulation of sympathetic and up regulation of... Um, parasympathetic with walking. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? So it's, it's super interesting. As a person that's been in the industry for over 25 years, I didn't even know about the microcurrent stimulation until I met Zamia two years ago. And then we had the, the conversation about it a couple months ago. But the reason it's so interesting to me is because the fire rescue EMS scene is full of type A personalities we are sympathetic fight or flight 24 7 always on always a hundred percent and then so many of our population that then want to train want to do something like a crossfit or a suffer fest of some sort and it's really not the appropriate modality of training especially all the time and so zamia's treatment super interesting to me but so is the concept of just using walking to downregulate the nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system, and upregulate the parasympathetic nervous system. I think it's a total game changer. Walking is easy, low barrier to entry. It's a moving plank. It's very functional if we want to use that word. But um, in terms of firefighters, I think the parasympathetic training and treatment is it's key, yeah. super key. And for those who don't know, so if you've never been to a CrossFit box and, and done a wad or a workout of the day, um, I'm a very competitive guy and I'm type A in some ways. Uh, so when you go there, there is a score to be kept. There is a standard for the workout. Absolutely. And so it fosters more of that fight or flight. You're directly competing against peers. Um, and so, like Annette was saying, that can be additive to kind of the load they already have. 
So stress is stress. Yep. Right. Good or bad, your body doesn't differentiate. It's just all stress. And so if everything is a source of stress, you're you're stressed out all day, whether it's physical, mental, whatever, emotional, and then you go stress yourself again. You're just that stress on stress on stress, and yeah. the body doesn't care. It's just like overwhelmed mm-hmm. and red alert, red flag all the time. So, right. and when you're spending those 24-hour shifts mm-hmm. in that state, it's probably not great to do that outside either all the time. De- definitely not all the time. And, and I talk about this on my blogs and my um, Instagram sometimes. I do those occasional suffer fests. I do believe there's training value in it. But generally, it's after several days off of training or when I have a work reduction day that puts me five days of not working, then I'll do something like that. But for the most part, I'm just a very, I do a lot of walking and then I do a lot of just traditional strength training and not so much high intensity work. It just, it, it, it blows me out, so to speak. Um, it's just too much for my nervous system. Can't handle it. Well, and I think too, when you, like if you are someone who likes just to get smashed in your training and you have a job that keeps you kind of on high alert or is just really emotionally and physically taxing. Um, If you are still going to go do that, just also make bringing yourself down in the Mm -hmm. nervous system component. That's why people will just bail after they train. You'll do all this warm up and get Mm -hmm. ready. But when it's over, you're just like, peace out. But meanwhile, your system's still like, ah, right? So it's like... What did you say the other night? Vegas! Right, yeah, right? That's That used to be where my cortisol was when I woke up in the morning. Way too high. Um, so spending five or ten minutes at the end of a training session, whether it's super high intensity or not, but especially if it is, like, get down on the floor. Do some deep diaphragmatic breathing. Let your system come down so you can recover better. Again, parasympathetic is where we heal, repair, and recover. So if we're just walking out the door having sympathetically like destroyed ourselves, th- there's no nice come down from that. Right. Stopping is not it. You're stopping, but it's really not the same to your nervous system, especially when you've sent, spent your day very on. Right. So that's where even throughout the day, you'd be like, I'm gonna have 10 minutes. I'm like, it doesn't have to be 10 minutes. Literally take three deep, really deep breaths. Agreed. Start there. Yeah. Doing that periodically throughout the day. One, take one. You have time for one deep breath, right? You're, you're taking your breath. Otherwise you're gonna die. So, right? So it's like people underestimate the power of something that simple, especially if you're staggering it throughout the day constantly, it adds up. 100%. But if you are someone who's like, I have to go do CrossFit or I have to do my hits, okay, right. at least then also allow yourself the opportunity to recover better from that by giving yourself five, ten, ten is better afterwards, but even at least just five, get on the floor, totally relax, change the music, don't don't <laughs> don't decompress the music that worked, got, fired yeah. you up for the training session, right? Change that music. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just let yourself breathe. Most people don't breathe properly either. So, like, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, message any of us and we'll have a conversation with you. <laughs> like, yeah. let your body actually do what it's supposed to do to heal and repair. Right. You know. Balance. Yeah. yeah. You know what's funny about that, though, is a lot of people who are, and we were talking kind of about individuality, you know, and different responses of people's nervous systems or, or their system in general, right? Because it's all linked to different stimuli. But it's funny that the people who are more 
prone to liking hit type crossfit type really high sympathetic type states right are the people who are often in those states for their their work and that's the space they live in 24 7 so it's funny that they like Mm -hmm. those um but yeah i definitely need to have that kind of balance between them which i need to work on myself (laughs) it's yeah it's you know it's Um, it's not always easy but especially the stuff throughout the day like little thing and it can be anything right it doesn't have to be like when I'll ask them, like, do you do any sort of meditative practice? And unfortunately, that still can often be very narrowly classified as to sitting and like literally my fit legs are crossed. My Like that is one way to meditate, right? There's so many different versions. It's more about just calming your system down and quieting your mind and having as little distraction float through your mind, you know, when you're there. And not to say that you have to perfect that, you know, but the more you practice it, um, and literally feel calmer, slow your breath, all of those things change what happens on a physiological level. And like if the source of your stress, the number of clients are like, well, I'm not going to quit my job. I'm like, I never said that. <laughs> I'm like, I realize the source of your stress may not be something you can change, but how right. you let it impact you is something you can change, right? And that there's so many, so many components that fall into that. But simply having a strategy in the questionnaire that all my clients start with, I talk about stress and what their strategies are and if those work. And it's unfortunately so many people are like, yeah, I do this, I do that. I'm like, you didn't answer the part about how well it works. How's yeah. that working you know? for you? <laughs> yeah. And it might have been great and worked really well and then it didn't. And that's right. okay. Now we need to find something that does. Because right. things change. Life changes. What used to work doesn't always work. Yeah. Fill in the blank on whatever that is. Right? Right. And like the only thing I can tell you is things change. Yeah. And we're all gonna die. But you know, it's like <laughs> But like things change and yeah. you the more when you get so stuck and well this used to work for me, that's awesome. It's not right now. That's okay. Uh-huh. Let's find what does. Maybe it will again later, but it's not right now with the way your life is. Right. Right. I so I think it's like mindfulness too. So like you can have someone if they're home and they're like, oh, well, I, I watch TV every night. I hang out on my couch. And it's like, but that's not what we're trying mm-hmm. to get you to do. We want you to consciously think, like, put your thoughts out of your mind and, you know, get that thought in there and calm everything down. You know, you can watch a TV show and still be amped up. Right. Absolutely. If you're watching a, a mystery show, you're going and to be the, amped up. Yeah. And that's the nice thing about going for walks is this: these walks, these walks don't have the purpose. This isn't about cardio. In terms of, I'm, this isn't about calorie burn. Mm-hmm. That's not the purpose of this. You shouldn't be speed walking. You're not looking for big inclines. Those are awesome. That's not what these walks are about for yeah. that purpose, right? For and the, we're not checking social media, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> like, this is moving meditation. That's yeah. what it is for me. Although yeah. after our walk in the city today, Amy is probably not going to believe me. I mean, I had a purpose. We were going to the mean and we were going to get there fast. So <laughs> Which is was, why I had to say slow your roll. <laughs> so that was not moving meditation. That was purposeful yeah, right? locomotion. <laughs> but like I try to do evening walks um, after dinner, especially because, you know, Sitting right after you eat generally isn't the the best thing for anybody, especially since we all probably sit more than we like, even myself, and I'm in an activity-based job. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it turns into an hour just because of whatever I do. I actually don't listen to music when I I go. I'm not saying you can't. Mm -hmm. I personally don't. I want to hear the sounds around me. Mm -hmm. Um, I have my phone more just like on the off chance something happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do tend to take a lot of it. I'm like, oh, that's a really pretty flower. 
My, my neighborhood is very pretty, so I do like to share that, um, especially if I'm walking down to the ocean. But um, but I'm I'm not answering emails. I'm not trying to. I'm trying not to do that on those walks because it's so easy to be on there all day, um, and easy to justify being on there more than we have to be. Um, and you know, everyone's job's different. Some people really do need to be on there a lot more, but uh, many of us don't. Yeah, and it's. It's, just, it's a stressful, unfortunately, it's a source of stress for most people on some level in, at some amount of time in a day, some people 24-7, yep. especially if you've got it dinging. Like my phone's on silent almost all the time, um, and it's almost never on vibrate either. Like I know I'm going to be checking my phone. I don't need the reminder, and especially I will talk to a lot of my, my clients about this. I'm like, Especially during the day, it's like business related. And I'm like, and every time that happens, I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's why I don't want you to hear it. I, you know, we're, you're going to look at your phone. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to let it sit there for 10 minutes without looking at it. But that, that ding, that buzz, that's a trigger. All of a sudden, you've sympathetically upregulated yourself a little bit because you're associating that to something stressful. Right. Right. So like. Right. My recommendation to most people, and you can, like, I have my family, emergency people, if they call me, it will still go off. I have that marked. You can do that in iPhones at least, yep. right? So if it's an emergency, I don't need to be hearing my phone when it goes off at night, Mm-mm. right? Yeah. They're like, we're going to wake you? I'm like, this is usually my clients, not my family. Because <laughs> a lot of time zone difference, especially yeah. since now I, you know, have right. online coaching. I'm like, no, phone's always on silent. I'll see it when I wake up. Don't worry about it. Good luck waking me up. Even if it's an emergency, you're not getting me when I'm (laughs) off duty at home. No, it's it's off or it's But it's little things like that that we don't often think about are such a daily contributor. And that's the thing. Like, there's big one-off things. Don't worry about that. It's the stuff every day, good and bad, that you want to be paying attention to because that's what's being repeated daily that will add up very quickly in a day, in a week, in a month, right? Not the stuff that happens once or twice a month. Right. right, and that's anything in life. A- absolutely, right? yeah, anything, and just the the cumulative effect of things. Yeah, um, that brings me to the point where we're talking about a gentleman you spoke with on the plane um, mm. that you took recently. Right, and one of the things you were kind of just discussing, like different aspects of health, and one of the things that you said you guys brought up was kind of alcohol consumption. Yeah, and so. Go ahead. I'll let you. It's your conversation. I'll yeah, you... sure. So, so I was sitting next to a gentleman, and it all kind of started because they were giving snacks, and the snack options were pretzels, cookie, or a biscotti. <laughs> the flight attendant did not know how to say biscotti. I'm like, you serve this on your plane. How do you not know how to say that? <laughs> um, I digress. Um, and so I, I passed on the food, and the flight like the flight attendant asked me twice. She was like, "Are you sure? Are you?" I'm like, "Oh yeah." I'm like, "I have my own food. No worries." Um, and so that kind of opened the conversation because then the guy next to me asked me what I brought and I'm like, Oh, I'm like, it's nothing exciting, but you know, I'm like, it's just some turkey and some cucumbers and carrots, easy stuff, not messy, but you know, it just makes it easier for me to eat how I want to. And I can here cause I know I'll be in situations while I'm away that it won't be for, as easy for me to do it. And what that's, I'm not worried about everything being perfect, but control the things I can easily control. Right, because um, I don't need to be eating cookies and biscottis, and um, it's just not worth it. They're I terrible. Wish I had yeah, right. If I'm gonna do that, it's actually gonna be a good quality version of that too. Um, and so we kind of got into other stuff, and 
led him ultimately, a lot of conversation happened, as he was like fr- also frantically working on the computer the whole time oh. yep. um, for a presentation. <laughs> and yeah, definitely I was like, I just want to like, whew. I just wanted to like, you saw his everything because he was just like, <laughs> Yeah, but like he was so revved up the entire time. I just should have taken out my units and been like. Um. So you guys can't, won't be able to see this, right. but the way that they work is there's two different microcurrent points, hence microcurrent point simulation, and so you kind of would apply them manually with both hands. So it looks like she's holding jumper cables. Yeah. It really does not look like that, and it doesn't hurt. I mean, it, it's not like I'm it's actually electrocuting you or anything. Um, but he was just, you could tell, like, he just lived his life so wired and fired up and stressed and, uh, right? And so his strategy, especially because right now, like, even exercising wasn't happening the way he was wanting, he would he would drink. And he was like, I know it's not the best thing, but, you know, just it calms me down. I'm like, okay. I'm like what else calms you down? Like, not saying, like, you need to stop drinking, right? That's not my place to say. But especially since he opened the door to, I need to stop drinking so much. Right. So we started that conversation. And he's like, yeah, but it's difficult. I'm like, what What about it's difficult? You know, and this is not me being an asshole. This is, like, genuinely for you, what about it is difficult to stop? Because the more you can understand that, the easier it will be to figure out a way to change it. And it doesn't mean you stop drinking, because most people won't do well with that, especially in trying to sustain that. And we just talked about I and I asked him, like, is is it e- would it be easier for you, for instance, once we kind of talked about how often he drank and how much he drank, to not drink every night? Or would it be easier to have one drink every time you drink, one less drink every time you drink? Um, and maybe not even every night, but maybe two nights out of the week, instead of three glasses of wine, you have two. That's still too less at the end of the week. It doesn't feel like, oh my God, it's not overwhelming. It doesn't feel like anything dramatic necessarily for him, right? For some people it might. And so we just kind of talked about it. He's like, yeah, you're right. I didn't, I, mm-hmm. we tend to be this all or nothing. Like, I know I need to stop doing this. So I need to stop everything. Like some people, very small percentage of people do that. But generally that's not how it works. You know, you want to start with a really small change that you are, I like to say 95% confident, at least, mm-hmm. you will actually be successful at. Right. And if it's just one less drink a week and you have 17, let's say, that's 16. Yeah, right. get that first victory and yeah, then right? other things might fall. And in the end of the month, that's four less. And right. you may find like, okay, that was really easy. I can do one more day like that. Yeah, yeah Right, you sure. know? And, and suddenly it doesn't seem so overwhelming. It seems much more doable. And you start finding something to replace, not a different beverage necessarily, sometimes a beverage in this case, but just a different practice. Like what else do you find calms you down? Right. Swimming? Cool. Go t- take a couple laps. Even, even if it was watching a show, a mindless show, a guilty pleasure show, <laughs> whatever, it's still a different behavior that you're letting yourself do instead of something that you know isn't actually helping you in the way it should like a glass of wine a night can have a lot of health benefit not for everyone necessarily Mm -hmm. but you know three or four beverages containing alcohol is a different story um so substituting things 
is, is part of that too. If you take something away, you want to add something in generally right. to help. But again, and, and you're, it's not, you're always not going to, you're not going to always find the right thing. You might think, okay, I think if I do this instead, this will be good. You have to give it a fair shot to see if mm-hmm. it's good. Like yeah. once or twice it not working is not a fair shot, right. right? Do it for a couple of weeks and you're like, yeah, that literally just clearly is not it. Okay, let's figure something else try out. Try something else yeah. though. Yeah. So many people give up at that point. Yeah, try something else. Work, it, takes so a, it takes a while to find what that thing is for you with yeah. whatever it is, but it's also important to give it a fair chance to show you if it's going to create the change you're looking for. Right. And, and, like, I, and I think that's where a lot of people, um, I don't want to say fail, but disappoint themselves because they're not actually giving themselves an opportunity to start to be consistent enough for something to show change. Right. right. I mean, people often have a difficult time starting too. And yeah. Like, you, know, don't, you don't have to change everything about your lifestyle. Don't ever. Just, that's, know, just, that's the reason usually yeah. I find, especially when it comes to nutrition, when I actually will have a conversation with someone, they're like, oh, I thought I, I'm like, I know. I don't know why we think we have to go from eating, let's just say you ate complete crap every day. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be like, this is how I eat now. Like, you should eat like me, yeah. right? I'm like, no. Like, what about all of that would be the easiest thing for you to switch? Mm-hmm. Like, what's your breakfast? Say you don't even eat breakfast. This is my favorite one. People, <laughs> no, You rarely get kickback on this. I don't eat breakfast. First of all, not everyone needs to eat breakfast. You need to make sure make eating breakfast for that person makes sense. Not everyone does well eating first thing in the morning. Um, if you actually do, but you're like, I just don't have time. Okay. What? I don't have, I don't have time to cook and prepare. Okay. Perfect. I don't even care what you eat. It could be a donut right <laughs> now. Right now we're just trying to create this behavior yep. to see if that changes things. Rarely does someone be like, "Sweet, I'm eating a donut every morning." They try to make it some version of something healthy, and and I don't eat. I'm not even going to input on it. I'm like, "You pick it. Let's see how things go." I don't even want to know what it is right now. I just want to know if you did it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can tell me what it is, and then we can address the what as we need to. But let's see how well implementing eating something in the morning, so you're not ravenous when you get to fill in the blank, right? right? And then continue to eat badly um, or whatever. So it's, it, it's not as overwhelming as people think when they realize it shouldn't be everything that's trying to change. It's one thing, one small thing, and then slowly move from there. And, and ideally, and we were just talking about this, is that this morning? I don't even remember. I'm losing track of days now. <laughs> I don't know. But like you just, you just want to scale things appropriately and if – if it doesn't, if it doesn't seem like it's going to be enough, create enough change for you, that's cool. If you lock it in, you rock and roll with it, and, and it's like a piece of cake, and you nail it straight out out the door. Cool. We can then have. Add. Well, then we go to number two, yeah. right? Yeah. Worst case scenario, you like totally nail it because it's so easy. I'd rather that. I we want to set you up, especially at the beginning, for success, right? right. Succeeding at the beginning yeah. is way more likely to have you continue doing whatever it is you're trying to do. Right. But if we, like, you know, bite off this big, whatever, analogy brain fart, um, <laughs> you know, if we, like, just choose so big and you can't do it, right. then you're like, oh, I, I can't do this, it's too much, right? So. And it, I think people, like, <clears throat> if you said to somebody who might be able to deadlift, for instance, 100 pounds, is their one rep max? And you said, here's 700 pounds on a barbell, go pick it up. 
they know they can't do it. They know that it doesn't even make sense to try, right? But when you say, okay, here's your diet, it's not the most optimal for you in just about every way possible, let's make one change. Suddenly they start thinking like, well, if I make that one change, I have to change everything about it, like you're saying. And it's this whole beast and animal, and for whatever reason people get stuck on, I have to change everything though to be like so-and-so, who they mm -hmm. who they think is... Or just where they what they think it's supposed to look right. like, and eventually yeah. maybe it will, but eventually right you'll get it's to a some summation of, of that. cumulative choices yeah. over a long like a long period of time yeah. yeah pay it just takes a lot and takes a lot of patience too and i'm constantly with my especially my nutrition clients reminding them my job is not to judge you right my job is to understand as much as possible so i can assist you as well as possible right and i'm i always say to them i'm like i ask of you for you to not judge yourself as well and that's hard but I'm like, say you ate something you weren't supposed to eat, telling yourself you suck and you're a piece of shit, I'm pretty sure that's not going to make you go eat a salad. Right? <laughs> right? You're probably going to go have more of what just happened yep. and often spiral or binge or whatever. Yeah. And it, you have to be patient. You have to be kind to yourself. And more, than, more than anything in all of whatever it is you're trying to do differently, understand yourself within that. Mm -hmm. Um whether it's trying to get on a training program, whether it's, I mean, I'm kind of speaking to what I do for a living, the nutrition thing. If things don't go as planned, okay, own it, first of all. Yeah. Own your shit. You have to own Absolutely. your shit. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But now that now we want to understand it. Why didn't it go right. well? But also, why did that week go so well? We need to replicate what happened that week because mm. that worked very well. What lined up so well that you had all this success, right? And we tend to just focus on when things are bad. Right. But we want to we want to troubleshoot and tweak the challenges and repeat and support the wins. Right. And we kind of forget about the wins. Second like yeah. well, there's stuff that we can use our advantage when things go well. I think that the thing too is the beauty of a really good coach meets the client or patient or whatever they are where they are. Mm -hmm. So it, I think it's Dr. Andy Galpin that talks about he had a client who literally subsisted on fast food. They ate a fast food meal for every meal of every day of every week. And so Andy's advice to him was simply, um, you know, if you're having a, uh, a hash brown and a egg muffin and whatever at McDonald's, I want you to throw away 10% of what you usually order. So go ahead and order your food, mm -hmm. but throw away 10% of your hash brown, 10% of your egg muffin, and 10% of your drink and move on with your day. But that person is cutting their caloric intake by 10%. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's doable for that person. Right. And pretty soon they might make a little bit better choice instead of McDonald's. Maybe they try subway which isn't perfect but it's a little bit better choice mm -hmm. and if you consistently make better choices instead of worse choices you're going in the right direction but if you have a coach that's trying to revamp everything that you're doing you're not going to be successful there's right. very few people I, I personally am one of the few people that i think a coach can give me a list of 57 things to do and i will be able to do them all it's my personality i don't think mm, Generally, people have that personality. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, in human beings, we don't function that way generally. No, because yeah. we resist change anyway. Yeah. I'm like a cyborg. So, <laughs> especially if it's not our idea that's yeah, originating. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think that's part of it too. When it comes down to the coaching side of things, especially with nutrition, like 
I they're like, just write me a meal plan. I'm like, I want you. I'm like, I have a document that I give clients. I'm like, this is not everything that exists, but here's a bunch of good fat choices. Yep. Here's a bunch of good protein choices. Yep, I have the same document. There's, you know, I'm sure we've all mm-hmm. we all draw that up. Anyone mm-hmm. I would like to think who does yeah. nutrition work of some sort. I'm like, you know, in this meal, like let's have a protein, one serving of protein, one serving of fat, two servings of veggie, whatever, you know, right. I'm like you pick. I'm like, if you want some recipe help, cool. Happy to help with that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I'm like, it's, you, I want you to eat what you like. It's so funny. Like, I hate kale. I've never... I'm like, dude, you don't need to eat kale. <laughs> there are like a million leafy greens out there. If you don't like kale, I don't want you eating kale. I'm like, my goal is to only have you eat things you actually like. That is the right. to make... of this podcast. You don't have to eat kale. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, please don't let the answer be kale. Please. <laughs> Poor kale, kale is what you decorate the salad bar right. with, not yes. what you... Eat. Although I do eat, I kale, actually like kale. I do but, too. But, <laughs> but I still have too much of it. But it's like, I I want you eating things you like. You're not going to stick to anything if you don't like what you're eating. You're not going to train a certain program if you literally just hate it. And every training session yeah. sucks, yeah. right? I mean, it should be work. Yeah. And not everything is something we love when we're training. But overall, it should be something you enjoyed some capacity. And that's the same thing. I'm like, there's no reason food can't taste good. There are moments where like time short or whatever, like my plain food. Sometimes I actually prepare a little more. That was relatively blandish, but it's still juicy turkey, you know, right. and plain carrots and cucumbers, whatever. Um, but That's easy, easy, and foods I actually like. You mean it doesn't have to be like chicken right? and rice and broccoli for right? every meal, uh, right? <laughs> Tilapia and asparagus. Sure? Tilapia and asparagus. <laughs> And, I, and then that's the whole thing with all of it. It's like you you want to be doing things you enjoy to some capacity. I want you eating foods you enjoy. We want you getting out of these foods what you need, which is generally many things, right? Um, even if your body's looking good, if you're dragging ass all day and you have no energy, no, right? <laughs> like that's not okay. Um, if you have brain fog all day, that's not okay. That's This is your fuel. I want you to enjoy it. But I want you to also be feeling good from the inside out, as you've also generally indicated on the questionnaire. Um, and the changing of body will generally come with that is the nice part, right? Right. Um, and it's, I, I also always say, and I'm not taking this as the only person who says this because I imagine we all say it, it's not about being perfect. It's about being pretty good most of the time because mm-hmm. that adds up, mm-hmm. right? Yep, I say a version of that too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again... Not, nothing nothing new, but I think it's things that people lose sight of because like, oh, oh I totally screwed up. I'm like, okay, you had a donut. You had three donuts, okay? <laughs> How many donuts did you have on the way left? I had one and a half. Like one and a half. I had about like five. So. They were crispy cream though. They were so good. You know, and that's the thing about generally speaking with whatever it is. Yeah. Like, oh, you, you didn't, you travel this and that. You didn't have time to go to the gym. You were in meetings. You were out of the hotel room at 7 a.m. You didn't get back until 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. For me, with those people, I'm like, do the best you can eating. Do as well. Do like your best with whatever sleep you can get. Like, that's what so I care key. about. Like, sleep try your key. best to get. Like, sleep is your focus yeah. on these trap when you travel in that situation. Do the best you can. Like, we know how to eat now. We've done this enough. Do the best you can mm-hmm. and try to get as much sleep. Stay hydrated. Yep. Like, you're going to have alcohol. Okay. Just try to stay hydrated. Try to get decent sleep. Like, yeah. you know, it's not. And that's why when we're home or when you're in whatever that environment is, that gives you the routine that lets you be consistent. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of that. Right. You know you can. 
so so do right because there are definitely going to be moments when you can't yeah right and that's okay or when you choose not to yeah when you yeah, and was, that's okay like and own that like right. if you're going to eat that donut own it like i factored it in i literally had a client she's like we're doing this drive driving cross country-ish trip and there's this place and and they have these what was it these like candy apples and there's some other like a chocolate thing and like we had a conversation about okay i'm like we are working that it, we are working that store into the trip and part of the strategy was are you hitting it on the way in and on the way out where is it and it was both directions i'm like don't hit it on the way in hit it on the way out mm-hmm. uh, you know so then you won't know how good it is so you don't want to hit well, it well <laughs> she knows she, she knows this is like a familiar place but the whole thing was like there's no you, you're not going to go back because you hit it on the way out we talked about what to get for her what would be more realistic what was more uh, of value to her to have because none of it is stuff that's part of what's going to help her goal, Mm -hmm. but we want to do damage control. I want her to enjoy it. I don't want my clients ever feeling like they're on a diet unless there's like a short-term reason to be on something strict like that. My goal is for them to not be on a diet. It's a find a way to eat that works for you in your life right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Like what we do right now may change in six months. It may not work. Um, we factored in that candy store, you know, and right. it's and not okay. about, yeah, it's not yeah. about being perfect. Exactly. It's about, again, finding that balance that works well for you. So, you know, for me, your blood work mm-hmm. is good. Whatever the goal is you had for yourself is happening. And it's something that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. Right. That's my whole thing. Like, if this isn't sustainable, it's not right. Right. Can you see yourself doing it in five months, five years, yeah. five decades? Yeah. And if you can't, then it's it might not be the right thing. Right. Yeah. Or, um, so, or some version of or it. Or knowing that, okay, this is working now, great. Let's rock this as hard as we can right now, whatever that is, whether it's a training plan, whether it's a meditation practice, whatever it is. And also know that it may have to change. Right. And it can be working great right now. And I already said this, but it may not work great down the road. And that's okay. Right. And I think that's a big problem I run into with my tactical athletes because many of them, um, the majority are male. We already talked about that. The majority of them also played high school sports and they always revisit what worked for them in high school or conversely, what hurt them in high school. So, you know, um, they may go back to the, I have a, He's a, a ranking officer at, at my own department who wrestled in high school. So what he goes back to is putting on extra sweatshirts, turning up the heat. <laughs> go to I what mean, you, you go to what you know. He's right? fifty yeah. some years old, and that's Even his strategy. If it wasn't good, you go to what right. you know. Right, that's what is his strategy. And then on on the other hand, I have athletes who who hurt, hurt themselves. I'm using my finger quotes. Hurt themselves deadlifting thirty years ago, and they were advised by their doctor to never deadlift again. Well, you literally have to deadlift a patient off the ground. You can't say, I'm not going to deadlift. So you might as well train the pattern. You might as well be safe. We might as well figure it out. Yeah, That's the yeah. challenge. So like Damien said, what worked for you or didn't work for you 40 years ago is going to be completely different. Yeah. Like we're completely remodeling our bodies all the time. So and they're and they're so different. It's, I mean, especially, especially if you've been active your whole life, mm-hmm. whether you're, a 25-year-old or a 45-year-old 
or 85 year old, whatever, like the mileage on your body, mm. it just, you could, you, uh, we know this, you can get away with stuff when you're younger. It doesn't mean it was good for you then. Right. You just could get away with it, right? <laughs> your recovery system was different, right? Things are yeah. different. Um, yeah. And yeah. That's something that's really resonated the past couple of days um, throughout all the conversations we've been having is like the individual in front of you. And 100%. If you think about all the subsystems that make up that individual, and we're learning more and more, you know, people are coming out with like neuro or lymph approaches or more of the dietary approach. Like, it doesn't matter which approach or which system you're kind of putting more stock in, and that's the narrative for your treatment or whatever work you're doing with that person. All those systems are intertwining, and so I don't think modern kind of science techniques are able to uncover what is best for blanket population X, even if it's a really narrow population, right? right. So, you know, like we were talking about footwear because um, hopefully you don't mind. Annette. Oh, no, that's fine. And it has a, a little foot uh, issue going on right now that we were talking about, and we were talking about footwear. And so what is optimal for her is not going to be optimal for me for you know, the next person down the line. So, I mean, we're all in like completely different shoes today. The four of us had, and it worked for all of us. Absolutely. I was in flip flops. (laughs) And so, you know, that's temporal too. So, you know, what worked for you when you were 18 is not going to work maybe necessarily for you now that you're 45. You know, we were talking about the flip flops Mm -hmm. and some people are like, Oh, but when I was 18, I used to run around New York city 20 miles a day and in flip flops and it worked for me. And now I have whatever plantar fasciitis or throat, whatever diagnosis you want. But why can't I keep wearing these flip flops? They used to work, and so they used to work for you as an individual, and that's great. Find what works for you as an individual, but it's also temporal. You know, be realistic in what context did they work for you in, right? So that's just movement context in general is kind of fun to talk about. So when we were going through Annette's foot, well. Her movement patterns, I like to say, because I hate being like, your foot hurts, let's point at that, and then only right. look at that foot, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, we were talking about some of what you could call history or movement context or whatever kind of term you want to put to that, but it's just funny that, you know, if you look into that, you might see there were all these contributing factors leading up to it, and now your foot hurts, and so <laughs> I'm not sure where I'm going with this tangent anymore, but... Yeah, I mean, there's there's always, um, we always point to what hurts, and we mm-hmm. forget that sometimes that's the victim. Often. <laughs> that's yeah. The, yeah, often that's the victim, not the culprit. And so, and even, I mean, I'm very well-versed in this, and even I lost sight of it completely. And I needed um, Lex and Kyle and Zamia, all three of them, to just kind of, like, put things back in perspective for me, so... So what's going to happen with my foot? I don't know. Yeah. But at least things are back in perspective. But it's totally different. So when when a, someone who knows what they're talking about in any perspective gets hurt, you know, we can, we think of it completely differently. Like if I you know. get hurt, I can, I can coach you back to health. But if that same problem was me, it is 911 emergency. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like I watched that firsthand with Kyle when he hurt his finger and it was like, uh-huh. you know, he could have coached me through that if that happened to me. But I know that now that it's happening to him, I watched him freak out. So it's like we know we know so much, but you know we get caught up in the what fact that you? 
Yeah, when it happens to you, it's just like, man, and it gives I'm you a dying. perspective. Right. Rob MD said, I'm dying, I'm dying. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, lose, I mean, you lose context. It's like being in, it's like relationship stuff too, right? It's yeah. like you don't see it when you're in it, but I could give her, you know, great right. advice. Oh, and I'm then so like, good at relationship <laughs> advice when I'm not in it. You know, it's so like, good. I think it's the same idea. Like when you're in it, you're blinded. Yeah. Blind yeah. to it, right? But yeah. when you're outside of it, you're not attached to it in the same right. way. Just like when it's your own body, you're not attached to it in yeah. the same way. Right. Exactly. Or too too attached, perhaps. Like yeah. I'm just too, too in the thick of it, so... Yeah. So you have a pretty difficult, I don't say difficult, you have a, a challenging population to work with in it. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, so in terms of, well, let me, let me back up a few years. For the first probably 15 years of my career, I, I literally thought I could take any person and help them. And you know what? I probably did help a lot of people a little bit. But what I didn't ever do was help anyone a lot of it. So I started to narrow my focus and I thought, you know what, I'm, I am a tactical athlete. Why am I not focusing on tactical athletes? So I'm like, okay, perfect. Police, fire, military, that is my population. And I started honing in on that population. But the more I honed in, the more I realized that I'm not the person for police and I'm not the person for military. I can work with them and I can probably work with them better than some civilians but my perfect population is firefighters. And, and they're tough. They're really tough in a lot of different ways. They're really wonderful too, but they're really tough. They're a family. They're tight-knit, and it's really hard to get in. As an outsider, you're immediately suspect. <laughs> what are you doing here? What are you trying to sell us? And what, you know, what kind of BS are you trying to bring to us? So I have that sort of relationship already where I am a firefighter, so that helps. But the mentality is tough. The demeanor is tough. But the other thing that's tough is they're all in pain. Every single one of them, from the youngest ones to the oldest ones, they're all in pain. And some of them, it's just a nagging 2 out of 10 every day. And some of those men and women get out of bed at a 12 out of 10 every single day and, and come to work in so much pain. And so, and, and it's usually common pain because when you think about it, the stacking joints in the body, that ankle that should have good mobility, that hip that should have good mobility, the T-spine that should have good mobility, well, we stick our foot in a boot and basically immobilize it. It's almost like one of those cam walker things. Those boots don't move. Then our hips were in gear, which is tight across our hips. The hips were lifting our feet to step up on steps and we're not even using good mechanics because our hips can't move. And then our T-spines were locked down, not only with the stupid air packs, which save our legs, by the way, but... Functionally they, stupid. Functionally <laughs> stupid. Thank you, Zamia. Functionally stupid air packs, they lock down our T-spine. And then add that, they stick us in cabs where we can't, we can't move. We cannot rotate in our seats whatsoever. So we're locking down our ankles, our hips, and our T-spine. Recipe for disaster. Because where does that manifest? Knees. Low back, back and shoulder. And statistically, it's I believe it's low back, shoulder, and knee in that order. The firefighters get hurt. Mm-hmm. But then we have, so we have that problem. We have the, it's hard to get in as a civilian. We have the, they're all in pain for pretty much the same reasons. And then we have lack of resources. So most fire departments, I contract with a couple fire departments to do their health and fitness. Most fire departments don't have that. Most fire departments don't have anything. Or they may have what's called a peer fitness trainer who is another firefighter 
who went to a 40-hour class to learn how to coach this complex body system that we just talked about, interrelated, um, all of those things that Kyle talked about. And now we're giving that responsibility to a firefighter who's gone to a 40-hour class. It's, it's, not, it's not optimal. And so the thing that I've been kind of like beating home lately is that, uh, and I use the example of Corderell Patterson. He plays for the Bears right now. Um, he's a wide receiver, and that's now everything I know about Corderell Patterson <laughs> and the Bears and football. But, you know, he, had, he has 10, probably 10 professionals dedicated to his success. You know, he's got the head coach and the position coach and the team doctor and the physical therapist and the blah, 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 vomiting words. But even when he played at Tennessee, he probably had eight of the same top-notch professionals dedicated to his success. So then I think, okay, let's back it up. Let's go to high school. And I use the example of Marcellus Moore, who's a standout, standout track and field and football athlete. He's at Plainfield North High School. He's an amazing athlete. He's already signed to play, I think, both sports at Purdue. But even Marcellus Moore has the benefit of probably five top-notch professionals. He's got Tony Holler, legendary track and field coach. He's got a team uh, athletic trainer, a strength coach. I think they have a team doctor. And he works with Chris Corfist, who basically developed RPR. So Marcellus Moore, as a high school athlete, has all of these resources. But then, you know, neither Cordero Patterson or Marcellus Moore are ever going to roll up on a fully involved structure fire and have to make life and death decisions. So, you know, that's where I come from. These first responders make critical life and death decisions under the worst possible conditions, and they don't have the type of training that an athlete has. It doesn't make sense to me. So that's kind of, that's where I come from, trying to educate firefighters, trying to educate fire departments, and trying to educate practitioners of how to work with them. Mm -hmm. It's tough. And that it needs to be a priority. Right. Right. It's tough. Yeah. Because you think, you know, I'm paying, I don't even know what you pay for a Bears ticket, a couple hundred dollars. You're like, I'm paying $200. Those dudes better have their crap together and play really well. Yeah, until you go home that night and call 911 because your baby's not breathing or your house is on fire and your grandma's trapped. I mean, you're not going to care too much about the Bears football at that point. You're going to want the people responding to your emergency to be fit and Right, because it's not a two hundred dollar yeah. game ticket. It's your life. It's your life. And the life of your loved ones. Like, and and we're in best case scenario, it's your house. Which you know, in my fire protection district, you don't get a house for probably less than two hundred thousand. So, there's a two hundred thousand dollar house, which you pay insurance on. I hope, but you know, a two hundred dollar bears ticket at that point means jack and crap. It's life and death. Right. So, and I think another challenge is sometimes our first responders don't even realize how. I mean, there's very specific performance requirements to do structural firefighting. You need a VO2 max of 42. End of story. Um, if I had to guess, I would say maybe 50% of firefighters don't have that. And, then, and there's a whole laundry list of capabilities that you need, including power and strength and speed and all of these things. And not everybody can be great at every quality. It's feasible that you're not going to possess optimal qualities on every single checkbox right but I would say there's maybe firefighters that don't have any of those checkboxes checked and they don't realize how very important it is to have that so obviously it's it's valuable to have you because you know the demands of the job 
and you yeah. know what firefighters need and you know how to address that. So, you know, you're here, you're here in Illinois. Like if someone in a different state, you know, wanted to contract for their fire department, are there resources for that now? Or is it kind of just not there? And they hire someone outside, like you said, and they have a hard time getting in. Like what has been your experience with that? You know, it's the wild west, man. I think um, there's a few departments that have, I call them unicorns, um, up in Canton Township, which is a suburb of Detroit. They have uh, Maureen Stockland, who actually is a registered dietitian, who is a firefighter there. She coincidentally also happens to be the team dietitian for the New York Mets. Okay, so she does the job. She understands the job. She's a dietitian. That's a unicorn. She could easily assimilate herself into any other department quite easily. Um, In Florida, Miami-Dade, George Carvajal, legendary coach, strength and conditioning coach, 30-year veteran of the fire department, but those situations are few and far between. Um, There are situations going on where fire departments are hiring civilians, and then, I guess I shouldn't say civilians, I know only one situation where this happened. Fire department hired a civilian, sent him through the academy, he holds the rank of captain, so he's a commissioned firefighter at the rank of captain, but he's in charge of their health and wellness program. So I would say that's probably a good hybrid solution to the problem. No time on the street whatsoever, so that's a shortcoming, but it's a good hybrid solution. But I think the, the thing that I really need to focus on is reaching really, really, really good practitioners mm-hmm. and then giving them the tools and the strategies and tactics of how to talk to firefighters, how to get into fire departments, how to contract with them. And like I said, it's the Wild West, but there are different cases that there is success. San Antonio Fire Department has their own physical therapist. They have 1,800 firefighters, though. It's not feasible for 87 or 76 in Downers Grove or 100 and however many in Elgin. So we're working on it. I just don't know what it's going to look like. But hopefully it's going to look a lot better in, you know, five months and five years and five decades. Right. Well, the fact that it seems like people have been so receptive to you with this. I think it helps. Yeah. I mean, I just, Mm -hmm. I think that also just kind of shows, not that everyone's going to be on board right away, but like people are realizing the necessity and importance of it and value of that education Mm -hmm. for that population. So they can be their best for literally life and death situations. Right. Right. And I think what, to be perfectly honest with you, I've been yelling this from the rooftops for probably five years but the only thing that made me be able to start to be heard and received was telling my actual story which was my story of the struggles I had with um, the sleep deprivation with the trauma processing and all that stuff and how my fitness sleep and nutrition gave me resiliency and and kept me from getting to that terrible place. You know, firefighter suicide is outpacing line of duty deaths. Mm-hmm. That's fact for the last five years. So I didn't get to that place, thankfully. But I, I attribute it to my resiliency gained through fitness. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to talk about is we're touching on, you know, functional performance demands of the job. And obviously that's really important to be broached because they need to be able to serve the people that they're serving and be able to do uh-huh. the job they need to do, not only for the you know their constituents, but also 
to be able to get home to their families at night. Yep. But on top of that, building resiliency through physical fitness even, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so you're talking about just about everybody in a firehouse has pain, whether it's, you know, on the ordinal scale of 2 out of 10 or if it's, you know, they can't even wake up without crying tears because they're just in such pain. How much of that is wear and tear from the job? Yes, there's certainly a physiological component to that. But if we think of, you know, just more kind of modern pain science topics, mm-hmm. we're, no, we're now more aware that there's a bucket and what's added to that bucket of pain is things from, yes, the physical realm, but mm-hmm. also from what's happening, you know, psychologically to you, what's happening emotionally in your personal life, you know, what is, what's your diet look like, right? We're mm-hmm. talking about diet a lot. Um, and, you know, kind of dovetails with, we were talking about an individual and all the subsystems. Well, all of those things are contributing to what might be causing your pain experience. And so right. if you can then get in there and not only give them these tools to be ready to functionally perform, but also to build resiliency mm-hmm. physically, that is a testament to building resiliency against some of the non-physical challenges that they might be facing. So, Well, that's, that's definitely, I agree with that. And even, even if we back it up one more step, so we, we, pain science is super interesting and I, and I love talking about it. And what I'm finding is a lot of firefighters think it's, um, like voodoo and <laughs> woo woo. But, um, if we back it up one more step, simply having sleep deprivation causes less tolerance for pain right. and it causes anxiety and restlessness and poor decision-making processes. I mean, sleep, I wrote an article, it came out almost a year ago today, but Basically, if I, Zamia said it too before, if we can get them sleeping better, recovering better, everything gets better when you sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you bring your, your 16-year-old hockey kid to me, when I used to think that I, that was my you know, realm, I can, the best performance enhancing drug other than anabolic steroids is sleep. And so, you know, all of this stuff is tied together. But what Kyle said with the resiliency, clean up the diet a little bit. Uh, fix the sleep a little bit, move your body a little bit. You know, the sleep and the movement is actually changing the architecture of your brain. So, you know, why wouldn't you get a great benefit from that? And like Kyle said, decrease pain. They're all in pain. Every single one of them. Ask them. Right. And it's, we were talking earlier about sleep. You were saying, you know, you could be on a 24-hour shift and not necessarily get a full eight hours of sleep. It might be in chunks or, mm-hmm. you know, small naps, I guess. I'm going to go with they never get a full eight hours of sleep. Yeah. On a <laughs> so there we go. So there we go. I'm talking maybe that. some extended periodic naps, <laughs> yes. I guess. Yeah. Well, so it's like, you know, you said you're one on, two off. Right? Yes. One, for the most part. And then that's what, it, that's the thing that I preach to the, to the men and women. Like, we cannot, unfortunately, we cannot control what happens on duty, but you do control what happens off duty. Right. You know, you do not have to say yes every time the overtime phone rings. Is, you know, that much money in your pocket awesome? Yes. Do you need to do it three, four, five, six, ten times a month? No. Mm-hmm. You, you truly do not need that money at the expense of your sleep. And the other thing that I recently learned, I didn't know this, is that although you accumulate sleep debt... It's not, um, it's not like a credit card. You can't run up a 50,000 hour sleep debt. About 50 hours is your cap that you can pay back and you need to pay back. So what I'm saying is that 
it's not hopeless. Even if you are 50 hours in sleep debt, if you start making that up little by little by little, things are gonna get better. And you make better decisions, you process things. Uh, one of the things that happens when you're sleep deprived is um, bad situational awareness. Mm -hmm. That's a really, really bad thing to have going on when you're at a fire or right. an emergency scene. Yeah. So right. sleep makes and, everything better. And I mean, just your fuse is shorter. I mean, and so in the most critical of times when you need to like, Do right? Tell. right yeah, you know, I mean like you're, it's the same, it's like, it's like being hungry. Well, if you're a hangry type of person, it's kind of, you know, I mean, nothing is better when you're sleep deprived. Nothing is Nothing. Better. And everything that can kind of be a negative gets enhanced mm -hmm. for the most part. I'm not going to black and white that, but you know. Right. If you're cranky, you're way more cranky. Mm -hmm. If you're in pain, you literally hurt more. Mm -hmm. If you're a little foggy in the head, you're way more foggy in the mm -hmm. head. Like it just, our body is designed to sleep. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are those outliers who can, who actually on every level function well on a smaller amount of sleep, but that's not the norm. Shift workers, obviously a different story because you're only in so much control. Mm -hmm. But napping, napping is great. Mm -hmm. As long as it doesn't interfere with your sleep the next night. Yeah. I love napping. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with, and three hours isn't necessarily really kind of a nap, but <laughs> especially for a shift worker, I'd be like, that's more like you kind of got a chunk of sleep. Um, but like power napping is legit. If you're someone who can nap, take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, it just, sleep literally makes everything better and from a pure vanity standpoint if you're trying to change your body good luck when you're not getting enough sleep mm -hmm. yeah like yeah. and don't forget your brain's taking out the trash when yeah, you sleep yeah. yeah your brain your brain is running the show and if it's not getting enough sleep it can't run the show very well yeah and i think like what we've been talking about small you know victories that you can win by making tiny little changes right that applies yeah. to sleep too absolutely mm -hmm. a lot of things we've been saying are I guess, subtractive in nature, as in I see in clinics, right, in physical therapy clinics, I see in, you know, people's training models, I guess, if you would call it, um, or, you know, dietary supplement nutrition, stuff like that, basically they're additive. And so somebody comes to you, like, let's say you're a physical therapist, you, you're in a clinic, somebody comes to you with knee pain or whatever it might be. Oh, well, what are you doing currently? And let's say they're active and they're already doing, you know, a bunch of exercise well, let's add these correctives and do them three times a week, twice a day, so on and so forth, whatever volume. Well, now you're adding more to that person's plate when maybe taking something away in the first place that might have been contributing would have been sufficient to resolve their problem. Right. Same thing with, you know, people come to you and let's say they're a client and they're just interested in, you know, uh, aesthetics. Mm -hmm. And they come to you and they say, I want to lose 15 pounds and look like X, Y, and Z, whatever their goals are. But yet they don't sleep well. They don't make any small changes to their diet, right? They're just, you know, so all the things we've been talking about, I guess what I'm trying to say have been small, easy to make changes so you can get those victories and then subtract things that are not helping you rather than trying to add other things mm -hmm. to fix a problem or to right. obtain whatever goal you want. Adding more to the plate isn't always the answer, yeah. Right. So. And I, I think the thing that... Um, that my friend Dr. Scott Forbes says it's really, really good. He says, emphasize the sledgehammers. So the sledgehammers are things that make a huge difference. So um, I can't remember all five of them, but one of them is sleep. 
One of them is maintaining a healthy weight, don't smoke, avoid excessive alcohol, and I'm forgetting the last one. But don't worry about the little pinpricks. Don't worry about which special fat burner, which supplement, whatever. Sledge hammers first. Sleep, nutrition, move your body. Right. And I think like those three, you know, sometimes people can't add, you know, a good diet and working out at the same mm-hmm. time. We might add diet or we exactly. might add working out. Where are you right now? Let's yeah. start there for sure. And yeah. it's, it's awesome so when good. people just start cleaning up nutrition especially if they start moving a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like my questionnaire is pretty extensive with what I ask. I also ask about poop, a lot of poop conversations. Oh, poop, yeah, poop is good. Poop is very telling. So you should be pooping every day, people. <laughs> um, soft serve ice cream quality poop. Um, <laughs> literally with the poop emoji, like that's kind of what it should be like. Soft, Do you have the poop Soft chart but together. I, I don't. I, I don't, like the poop but, chart. Yeah. Okay. Um, but simply eating a little bit better it's so great when people are like, oh, I'm sleeping a little better, bit better. My energy is a little bit better. And it's not like they're eating perfectly. Mm-hmm. They're just eating better, mm-hmm. right? And That's the theme. Do yeah, better. Just, yeah. It's be pretty good most of the time because it adds up. You know? and, and again, when you're starting from ground zero, that may be one tiny thing. Yeah. But it, it, it is all very connected. We are not just a knee. We are not just a shoulder, right? It is. Yeah. It all relies on each other to function optimally. Right. And starting somewhere is where you need to start. Start somewhere. Wherever that may be for yeah. you, start somewhere. Stop thinking about it. Just do something. Yeah. What? Yeah. Just do something. And do, do it every day. Do the thing every day consistently, whether you want to or not. Do something. And, yeah. I mean, anything you do differently is more than what's going on right now, right? right. Nothing's going to change if nothing changes. Mm-hmm. So why would you expect anything to change if you change nothing? Right. Ooh, right? that was deep. So, <laughs> that was I can't take credit for any of those phrases. That's like, that's like the definition of insanity, right? Is doing Exa- the same exactly. thing repeatedly and expecting different results. You know, exactly. Yeah. And doing the same thing over and over again can be doing nothing differently. Exactly. Right? right? And so one thing, pick one thing you know you can rock and do it. And then rock it. Even yeah. if it's even if it's literally instead of going to bed at twelve, I'm going to bed at eleven fifty five. And that's five minutes cool. every yeah. day. Yeah. Just cool. do it. And yep. that's a lot of minutes times two sixty five. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And once you get that one thing down, maybe add one more thing. Right. Or another five minutes. Or another or five minutes. Whatever. And if sleep is yeah. something you're trying to change from a, a timeline standpoint, don't try to change a lot. People are like, yo, so a half an hour, I'm like, I don't even want you to go to bed a half an hour earlier. 15 minutes max. Mm-hmm. When that's really easy, we can add more. But, you know, five minutes is still five minutes. At the end of the week, that's 25. Uh, that's not 25. Nice math. math. Work yeah. week. That's a work week. Sorry. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's cumulative, right? So yeah. it's like the thing. One less drink twice a week is two less drinks a week. Right. right. So it's with, especially with sleep, like start small. When it's things like that, start really small because mm-hmm. they add up. Right. And there's nothing wrong with A-plussing it out of the park. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Start Love where it. you are. Do what you can. Use what you have. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that was good too. <laughs> and be consistent. <laughs> be, and, and, you know, just be consistent. And consistent doesn't mean perfect. Yeah. Right. But you're being consistent with doing it. Yeah. Sometimes it goes well. Sometimes it doesn't. But keep going because eventually... If you've chosen wisely, and sometimes we don't, and we have to reassess, but eventually you start doing 
you have start succeeding more than you don't. Right. Um, and then you're being pretty good most of the time. Right. Not about being perfect. So, I guess we'll try to wrap this up, but it's important for people to get a hold of you and know how to get a hold of you. So, Annette, how can people get a hold of you? I have a beautiful website. <laughs> I do. Oh my god! It was designed by Lex Lancaster Superhero. So you can get me on my website. There's a contact button. www.firesqfitness.com. But I'm also active on Instagram, so I'm at Fire Rescue Fitness. That's probably the best way. I t- I'm terrible yeah. at Facebook and Twitter. Terrible, terrible. Zamia. At the moment, I'm pretty limited, so that'll make it easy, I guess. Um, I am most active on Instagram, Good Human Fitness, and email, goodhumanfitness at gmail.com. Website will be coming. I do have Facebook, but just because I have to have that for my Instagram, so nothing generally gets posted on Facebook that isn't just swapping over from my Instagram. So definitely Instagram or email would be the best way to reach me. And I, unless it's some inappropriate DM, I will absolutely (laughs) respond. (laughs) I, on the other hand, respond to, just kidding. I do not not respond to inappropriate DMs Hey girl. Hey girl, hey. How you doing? We just wanted to thank you guys for listening. And if you want to connect with us, we are on Instagram at Renegade Movement. And that's Renegade MVMT. Hope you enjoyed the episode.